everyone, and welcome to Geek Down, the podcast where two nerds sit down and try and figure out where their fandoms intersect. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. Did I forget something in the intro? No, I was just getting closer to the mic so I could say my name is Jordan Ferguson. Oh, I thought you were about to make fun of me for forgetting something like nope. really important. <laughs> nope. Well, uh, this is episode 44. 44. You know what that means? Hmm. That there, there are less than 10 episodes left until we've made it to a year. Oh my God, there are. Start the countdown now, folks. Frig. Yeah. Never thought that would happen. Really? No, we have been over this. No, I did not think we were well, ever going to make it to a year. At the beginning, no. But I, like as we got further in. Well, once we caught the rhythm, I guess. Now it's just a point of pride. Only had to only had to Skype once. Yeah. Only botched the weekly update once, I think. That was me. That was you. I, listen, I'm not laying blame. I'm just, just tell, I'm letting people know if they've just started to tune in. If you want to know who fucked it up, it was Caitlin. <laughs> Caitlin fucked it up. <laughs> Taking responsibility for myself. Good for you. If you want to hear the episode where Caitlin fucked it up or any of our other 43 episodes, there are so many ways you can do that. By so many, I mean two. First and foremost, soundcloud.com slash geekdownpod. Give us a follow on there. Notifications will be sent to your device every time a new episode goes live. It's like Christmas magic. It is. And tis the season, as it were. As well, if you would like a present delivered weekly to your phone or laptop tablet or what have you other device some sort of implant you have in your head to podcasts on subscribe to us on the itunes or through your third party app of choice the one that speeds it up or the one that cuts, pocket cast cuts the brakes out or stitcher i have no, uh, no idea how that works but if you subscribe to us through any of those means new episodes to your device immediately now that is christmas magic for sure I upload them. Sometimes I upload them in the middle of the night, and then I don't get around to like doing the promo and like formally announcing the episode is live until like noon. So if you're up in the middle of the night and you really wish that you had some geek down to listen to, you can get the heat before anyone else. Amazing. So you should do that. You should subscribe to either SoundCloud or iTunes. Yes. And while you're subscribing on iTunes specifically, you're you enjoy tapping things, you enjoy clicking subscribe buttons, and you wish there was something else you could tap while you're doing that, you go ahead and tap four or five stars on that rate and review Yeah. tab. Or, you know, however many stars you want. We're not going to tell you what to do. I will. Give us four or five. <laughs> Caitlin's not going to tell. Well, Caitlin fucked things up, so you might not want to listen to Caitlin. <laughs> um, but also, if you want to tap some more things after that, mm. you could always leave us a review or you know tap out some letters in some, a in the sentence form yeah coherent sentence form you don't even need to use punctuation if you don't want nope you can be all caps if you want <laughs> like this is great and i caps. love the geek down in caps we all caps just do it we won't we won't be uh sticklers for what kind of punctuation you want to use i tried to shut the window to keep the sounds of my neighborhood out of this <laughs> recording and clearly it is not hold on let me get Oh yeah, no, well, that's gonna come through. Thanks, Parkdale. But you know what? It gives us it gives us some layers. It, give, it lets people feel like they're here with us. Gives a real sense of authenticity to the program. I think. You friends, know, friends, let me tell you: if you're not from Toronto, Parkdale has traditionally been. I believe my friend when I moved here called it a very authentic neighborhood. Yeah, that's a good. That's a that's a very good way of nicely putting that. <laughs> nicely putting. 
rundown, rough, <laughs> where the crazies live because the rent's cheap, and maybe drug addicts, maybe, maybe. And I mean, look, look, like, listen, I have been, I have been in other places of the city that are like supposed to be quote unquote better than my neighborhood and seen crazier shit and felt less safe than I have here. Well, the other thing that people don't realize is there are lots of poor families in Toronto as well and they need a place to live. They gotta they, go somewhere. They happen to live in Parkdale so I always see a lot of families around, a lot of kids. Yeah, a lot of kids. Very happy but, you know, not as wealthy as the beach people. Mm-mm. Um, And by beach people, I mean people from the beach in Toronto which is a very affluent neighborhood. Um, And... That's why I always feel I actually have never been accosted here. I've seen lots of crazy people and um but never like actually legit. No, they're not they're not grabbers or anything. No, no, but they I don't even have, really holler. They just want money, really. I have been hollered at in other neighborhoods, so there mm. you go. But I mean no, nothing beautiful lasts forever. I think you mentioned <laughs> Before we started recording, you were noticing. Well, um I usually take the the King Street car. Uh-huh. Uh but the time I went to go take it it broke down. The problem is with streetcar streetcars. If one breaks down, yes. you're, you're screwed. Nowhere no, for the rest no. of them to go. They can't pass each other. No, but however, Queen Street is only the street above. Yes. Um. So I hopped on the Queen Street car, and you get a very different view on the Queen Street car, which is that that gentrification stuff. It's a creeping. It's coming from from either side. <laughs> It's slowly but surely, you know, storefronts that are all blacked out or has new p- newspaper on the front. All of a sudden, they're a boutique yep. or a coffee shop. Thrift shop. And listen, the one that's really starting to bug me is, sorry, getting real regional here, folks. Um, King Street is my no frills and also my laundromat is yep. right next to that. Yep. Um, and down the building that the laundromat's in kind of runs further south into like where the no frills parking lot is. So there's a laundromat and there's like a pharmacy and there's a really shady quickie mart in there as well. And there's also, I think one of those schools that teaches the differently abled, the mentally differently abled, how to like live life yeah. sort of thing, which means if I shop at no frills on a Tuesday at 10 AM, it gets kind of wild in there. Yeah. <laughs> Cause they shopping. That's so inappropriate. They're allowed to do the groceries. I'm saying they're allowed to do their groceries. I'm just saying it gets a little wild. You know who else makes it a little wild? Hmm. Teenagers. <laughs> Teenagers in general. And all in there, in this building as well, was this establishment called Harry's, which is apparently is like a burger joint, greasy spoon, diner type of thing. Yeah. Been there forever. Super grimy. Like you cannot see inside sort right. of thing. And really like narrow. Like there's an entrance on either side of the building. It's just a really narrow, basically like, a hallway. It's like a counter with... Yeah, it's a, yeah. With, and the grill is like directly behind the counter sort yeah. of thing. Um, word came out a few months ago that the owners of this place were retiring and had been bought by, I don't know their names, but some real bougie, up-and-coming, you know, hipster chefs. I think you told me about this place. I think you told the audience about this place. Did I tell the audience about this place? Yeah. I may have told the audience about this place. I may not have told the audience that I am now seeing the repercussions of this. Because when your man is, you know, sitting on the stoop in front of the laundromat while waiting for his laundry to finish, yeah. you know, flipping on his phone, occasionally having a cigarette. And I see people who, frankly, ain't the sort of people I usually see in my neighborhood, walking along, looking a little confused, like they don't quite know where to go. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man. I'm just waiting for it. I see him go down the street. I look. 
and they go into Harry's. And I'm like, fuck. It happened to me the other day when I was, I had gone to do groceries. It was on Friday. I had gone to do groceries. I was waiting across King Street. And I kept looking back and forth. And I look, and there's this, like, you know, rather fabulous young lady, shaved head with like this blue, like, pashmina on. And these, like, fancy boots type of thing. She's got a couple, uh, you know, bearded plaid hipsters in with tow? her. Yeah. And she's her walking, she's service? walking along and she's kind of looking around again. Like she doesn't really know where to go. And I only catch this cause I'm, you know, I keep looking both ways, you know, for traffic so I can yeah. cross the street. And when I looked right, I happened to see her like, again, doing the same thing, like craning her neck and then pointing and turning to her companions and like pointing like, Oh, like that's, that's where it is. I'm like, fucking it's happening again. They're going to Harry's. I'm so sorry. The hipsters are coming. The hipsters are always here. It's Parkdale, but. But still. The rich hipsters are coming. Oh, dear. The rich ruin everything. This is a problem <laughs> for me. Because you know as what? we've established, I'm not a member of that demographic. You want to know what this puts me in mind of? Hmm. Luke Cage. <laughs> Which continues to be good. Just putting that out there. <laughs> is that rich white people ruin everything. Well, white people in general tend to ruin everything, but. We do. We're the worst. We are the worst. God, we're sorry. You know what else is the worst? What? When there's no news. I I know. I have it. Honestly, guys, crickets. Friends, I'm sure, we tried. I'm we sure looked. Monday, there's going to be like an explosion <laughs> some, some of news. Some giant story will break. But yeah. on Sunday, December 4th, happy birthday, Jay-Z. Um, there's nothing. 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 Both of us were like, did you have any? No, I haven't got any news. Have you got news? There's, there's a Guardians trailer that came out. Which, may I just say, I think... The news people are also feeling it because there are like four articles <laughs> on the on the Guardians. They trailer. are really like I watched the Guardians trailer and saw like the think pieces about like everything we learned from the Guardians two trailer. What did you learn? <laughs> There's a big like space. Wait, wait. I'm trying not to look at trailers. All right, you're not watching any trailers, so you didn't watch this one. I, I didn't. I didn't, I don't know how long I'm gonna last. <laughs> it's making me a little crazy. Well, I'm sorry. There's a big space worm that they all seem to be fighting, and they have like some sort of scene with a psychic. All right. Played for laughs and Baby Groot's in it a lot. <gasps> Baby Groot. Yeah. <gasps> he talks in this trailer. Oh my god. I'm so excited. And Rocket is like trying to play dad with him. This is amazing. It's basically just a don't push the button thing. That's amazing. It's like, this button will blow it up. Don't push that button. And Baby Groot's like, I am Groot. And goes to push <laughs> the button. It's like, no, don't push the button. Anyway, even just describing it to me is making me happy. <laughs> so you don't have to watch them; just have me like describe, take the best parts and describe them for you. Yeah, I like this. So uh, yeah, uh, that we, there's that PlayStation uh, had an event. Oh, the other day. Go? Uh, well, you noted one of these things, but um, in addition to the thing you're going to tell us about, there was also um, they announced a second Last of Us game. Yeah, which I guess okay. it wasn't the last of them if they had enough <laughs> to make no, another game. I guess it wasn't. Boom! You like <laughs> banter? Uh, <laughs> you like that, people? This is what you get when we don't have news. There ain't no fucking news. This is what you get. Uh, You're gonna get at least another 15 minutes of this. <laughs> Hang on to your butts. <laughs> We're griping about creeping gentrification in my neighborhood, and uh, you know, one-liners and zings. Uh, and Parappa the Rapper is getting a getting a remaster. Oh wow! Did you ever play Parappa the Rapper? Uh, I did. I was terrible at it. Um, I just wanted to play the drawing game. I think I was the only one. This was back when like we would rent a PlayStation. Yeah, because none of us actually had one. We would rent a PlayStation, and then this was one of the games that we really enjoyed. My friends and I, we would have like you know PlayStation nights. Yeah, 
like get together at somebody's house and just play PlayStation it's like all a, freaking night long. Kind of like a LAN party, but the yes, yeah. <laughs> but very local. And Soul Blade was one of the popular ones that we greatly enjoyed back then. Okay, which is like the predecessor to Soul Calibur, um, the weapons based. 3D fighting game, and Parappa was another one, and that was the, I was the only one, I think, that could make it to the end, because I remember there was, like, a total, like, freeform portion at the end, where he was basically, like, you know, Parappa was, like, at a concert, like, doing the, like, throw your hands in the air type thing, but there was, like, no beat to, like, it just opened up completely, and I was like, I don't know what to press right now, but yes, Parappa the Rapper's getting a remaster with a couple other ones I don't remember, and The Last of Us 2, and there was another major announcement for old school 90s gamers that will probably make them very happy. What was that, Caitlin? It was Marvel vs. Capcom, but Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. 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 Goes on forever. Um, It is to be released in 2017. It's got Captain Marvel on the front of it, Um, and that's really all you really need to care about. Yeah. It's going to be like every other Marvel vs. Capcom game. I'm sure they've updated it slightly. Um. Captain Marvel's hair doesn't look very good. Hopefully they get that under control. Um, but other than that, it's just going to be a lot of button mashing. And what, like, oh, I didn't know she could do that. What little I saw made it seem that like it's done in the more refined art style of like Street Fighter 4 and 5. Right. As opposed to the cartoony, cel-shaded look of 90s Marvel v. Capcom. I, I always liked it. I always liked it, too. I think it's, it has a very... I think that style's... You know what? I'm predicting. Hmm. Style's going to come back. <laughs> 2018. 2019. Okay, come back. Get me a new Jet Set Radio game, people. I don't Love know what Jet. that is. You know Jet Set Radio? No. Jet Set Radio. I have it up there, actually. Because um, it took me forever to find it, because it was not... Jet Set Radio came out on the Dreamcast, and then they made Jet Set Radio Future for the Xbox, and... It was one of these, like, first, like... It's basically, like, an inline skating game, and you, like, graffitied. I, I'm sorry. You inline sa- skated and graffitied. Yeah, it was, like, one part, like... You were basically, like, in this gang of inline skaters, like, fighting a resistance against the cops and the government, and you did it by, like, tagging places. And you oh could my, also make your own tag oh my God, that this, your character would spray. This is basically Hackers, the video game. Like, yeah, kind of. And it was very, like, extreme... Extremely angled artwork and cell shaded sort of thing. And I think the Beastie Boys did like, you know, six songs for the soundtrack, but they weren't oh called God. the Beastie Boys. They called themselves something else. Right. Um, and yeah, it took me forever to find because they, the Xbox remake expanded version that they made. Sorry, it was for the Xbox, not the Xbox 360. Right. They then put it out on like a two pack with like Crazy Taxi. And that was not backwards compatible. The actual game itself was it would work on your 360 huh the twofer would not so when you would go to like anc games shout out to anc games it's my favorite <laughs> game store in the city you'd go there and you would just see piles of like the twofer yeah you could never find for like you know three dollars but i never bought it because that would never you know, i knew it wouldn't work on my 360 until i finally spent like you know 35 bucks on the og oh my god when i <laughs> i just really wanted to play this game and i don't think i ever beat it i think i made it to the end and it was too hard <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, yeah, no, you should check that game out. Wow, that was a detour and a half, but... Hey, I, I well, I, we mentioned Marvel vs. Capcom. The reason I was excited is because it's one of the only games I ever got kind of good at and liked playing. Um, because I could basically 
mash buttons and then all of a sudden i figure out that like certain button mashes did things and i was like oh i could i could do this and then i got good at that and i got good at tekken 3 i don't know i think someone owned it and i was just like hey tekken 3 this is kind of the same i used to play tekken a fair bit actually tekken was by the same people that did soul blade slash soul caliber so it was the same sort of fighting style i always really liked brian fury very well done <laughs> yeah the, he was like had the scar on his eye and like the white hair and he had this one punch that was like forward forward triangle it was just like a one punch knockdown it was just like That's this amazing. real heavy hand like whoosh, and i would do that move to everybody what, <laughs> like, what did it do whoosh. that was good we gotta, we gotta record some of these <laughs> have tags during the <laughs> my, my own to my own sound effects tags um yeah tekken was good for button mashing i remember i bought into the hype when street fighter 4 came out Okay. And realized very quickly that, like, oh, while I was not playing these games, nerds in, like, Korea got to a point where they were, like, analyzing frame rates. And, like, if you, like, hit this button, how many frames of animation there were and where you could, like, you had to wait till, like, frame four and then you could, like, start to counterattack or juggle somebody. Like, Oh, yeah, I've seen that. They... This is the intensity yeah. with which they have analyzed everything and i think they even started adding some of they started enabling some of that in the game where if you went to like the training mode you could really like it was start telling you all the frames of animation and shit and i was like yo <laughs> i do not have time to like get a master's in <laughs> street fighter analysis like i just want to like shoot some fireballs and you know Amazing. kick some stuff so yeah we did not yeah. we played online like twice and got our asses handed to us by you know kids in indiana and then that was like well done with that um yeah i i don't think my button mashing would uh hold up to them i think i'd be a lost cause sometimes it does though just because it's not predictable right yeah like, caitlin's these, like, smashing these, these kids who play all the time expect certain things to happen yeah <laughs> when you're just like step forward two steps back <laughs> duck jump, cause jump, you don't know. jump jump crouch jump 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 crouch <laughs> They're like she's not doing anything that makes sense oh i wouldn't be a, a girl I like I, they wouldn't be able to tell I'd be, I was a woman <laughs> at all. You, you never you never want to reveal in online gaming that you're female. No, I'd be like dude bro two six nine or something. <laughs> That's your new screen name. Sure, it's my new handle. Sure, D- why not? dude bro two six nine. Get at her. If I if on I Xbox play, Live. Yeah, if I want to play play games with other people around the world. I was going to save this for updates, but since we're talking about games and we have nothing else to talk about, uh, I forgot to mention last week. So you know, I am I'm clearly still in like the previous gen. Yes. Of of gaming. Uh, once again, for the as in the past three years, when my parents asked me, I'm 30, 39 years old and I'm still asking for like video game, video games for my, That's for Christmas. our life though. But I, listen, I make two lists. My mom will be like, my mom will me on Facebook and be like, you know, we, you know, we've already, we don't want to spend any more money until we know like what you want. So, you know, give us, give us a list of some stuff. And I make two lists. I make the very practical list of things i need and growing then I up make... with socks underwear yeah I, I i could really use a small frying pan yeah okay so my my travel mugs i accidentally like twisted apart i could use uh i could use some more and, travel mugs great uh you know grocery gift certificates shoppers drugstore gift certificates you know stuff yeah. i don't really want to spend money on if i don't have to that's cool okay and then it's like and here's the bullshit list of stuff <laughs> i need like a hole in the head but bring me joy and listen i remember so last year my major like present was the uh all of perfume a box set of all of perfumes albums on vinyl right that was getting it was a pre-order basically they were getting issued last february and i really really wanted it 
and I didn't feel good about asking for it for Christmas because I was like, yeah, I should be asking for like you know a leaf blower or something. Like, <laughs> you don't have a yard. <laughs> still, it's the principle. Um, and my mom was like, was like, well, if I did what people thought I was supposed to do, I'd be like, you know, I'd let my hair go gray and I'd be knitting on the front porch. Shouldn't we just do the things? Don't you think we'd be happier if we just did the things that made us happy? Yeah. Like, you it's are. A good, good philosophy. It's like, you are right, Mom. Here is the link to the four J-pop albums <laughs> in a box. Um, but every year I put, n- not expecting anything. Yeah. I put a PS4 on it. Right. Because I think, as we said last time, when I got my book money, I thought that was going to, my last book money, I thought that was the moment I was going to get. Finally going to pull the trigger on a PS4. But they are not price dropping. No. At all? No. Frustratingly so? I mean, I guess they don't have to. Motherfuckers are still buying it. But I felt like we should be in, we should have a two in front of PlayStation 4s at this point, shouldn't we? Like, yeah. Like, like the um, price should start with a two, but it still starts with a three. I'm, yeah, I'm, we were looking at for Christmas as like a, a couple gift. Yeah. Get, get us. For we're, both of us. This is for both of us. We're, yeah. Um, uh, senior correspondent and I are looking at Xbox Ones. Because and I may have to change up because I think those run a little cheaper. Yeah, they do because they have the S, and if you get the original Xbox One, that goes that yeah. goes a little cheaper. And um, and they also have some deals going on right now, and there's going to be some Boxing Day stuff. Hmm. Um, and further we- investigation pending, Mom. If you're listening, <laughs> we really want to be able to play. Oh, that game that I love. Mass Effect. Yes. Uh, Mass oh, right. Effect Andromeda. Andromeda is coming. Um, and we know, but we might just wait until, because there might be a, a thing with Andromeda and the Xbox One. So we're kind of like, we're just might put this money away <laughs> to wait for the, because they've done a lot of bundles. Um, mm. uh, what's that game that's terrible that people like? Uh, Assassin's Creed? I think they did an Assassin's Creed bundle. They do a bundle something. for everybody. Yeah. So if they do an Andromeda bundle, we'll probably do it that way. Because we know the only thing I want is to get back to Los Santos. They have yeah. done they have done so much since Import Export just opened up. They added a fucking Tron bike. This is all interesting. Yes. Um, I mean, my heart still is with Saints Row. Ugh. It's like <laughs> Saints Row is the president's choice grapefruit soda and <laughs> gta 5 is, gta online is fresca, is fresca yes. yeah okay it's the store brand version um the point is we can't afford to be in this generation <laughs> no. of gaming so we are still rocking the 360 and as a paid member even though i thought i canceled it <laughs> at one point my gold membership right, on xbox yeah. live because it's like it's for really at this point all you need it for is to game online yeah and i don't think you even need to be a paid member to like use Netflix and shit yeah. and other apps. Um, so I, don't, I really don't know why I pay for it for the year every year. But, and I thought I canceled it, but apparently it keeps re-upping, so I need to investigate that. But they give away games yeah. uh, at this point. And one of the games they gave away in Dece- or le- the end of November was a spinoff to the Far Cry series yes. called Blood Dragon. Yes. Did you see this? I did. It's the game that first person shooter which as we know i don't really fucks with or do so very amusingly because i'm terrible at them and yep. i just piss bullets everywhere <laughs> um but this one is has no connection to far cry as a franchise really aside from i think it just kind of uses the same engine mm-hmm. um and the same people made it but it's a basically a first person shooter designed to look and feel like a bad 80s 
action movie. And it's so well done. Um, senior correspondent was very excited one day after work to show me this. <laughs> um, so we did it all over again. And yeah, it was good times. Game gives me a headache, though. Oh. Because the color palette is so oh, neon is and so the 80s. sky is red. And like, <laughs> I was calling it aesthetic the game because it's like <laughs> everything is neon and has a blue glow and is monochromatic computer monitors and everything looks like Windows 95 and polygonal maps and shit. I'm just like, good times. Yo. So, sorry, just. Talking about things that are sort of like a uh, flash of the past. Oh, yeah, we're, we're just, yeah, we're just. In in Toronto, there's something called the Rainbow Theater. And I think there's might still be... around. Yeah. It's the one I'm talking about is right, for those of you who live in Toronto, is right near St. Lawrence Market. Yes. It's near the Esplanade. used to be, I used to live on the Esplanade. Um, so it was right near our house. So I used to go all the time. And they had this intro to the films like everywhere does in the 90s um it was just very it was very 90s like for the theater franchise like yeah well, hey we're the rainbow cinema and this uh, is where kind you're watching of, and just like you know how some people have like the, they, they'll have like a popcorn thing or they'll have like a little intro at the beginning yeah um so it was there a little while ago and they still have the same one from the 90s <laughs> and i thought i was gonna like have some kind of existential crisis or melt. I thought I was just going to melt because it was so weird that they, and just with the polygons and like the bad 3d (laughs) animation. Um, yeah, it was, it was all about that. It was very strange. Weird. Yeah. I don't know why they still, I couldn't they get like a college kid to like make them a new (laughs) one or something. I don't know. Sure. Tryhouse college uh, has a kid, has a student that that can make you a poorly animated. Intro. Opening for yeah. your for your movies. Good times. Uh, I actually have one tiny other bit of news. Tiny. Uh, okay. Um, it's not really news. It's just a release um, <laughs> date, which was is for Aquaman. The film. The film. October fifth, twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. Yeah. Damn. Uh, the Justice League movie is coming out November twenty seventeen. Uh, so, I mean, I'm sure the priority is on that and a terrible Batman film. Um, <laughs> and then we get all the rest of the Justice League. Hooray. Yeah. But I'm excited about the Aquaman movie. Because, you know, well, <laughs> Jason Momoa. You're not excited about the Aquaman movie. You're excited about an excuse to watch Jason Momoa. And I like underwater stuff. Parade around wet for two hours. I like friends. If you could see the face right now, <laughs> like she was about to try that, like he's a really good actor bit for Jason Momoa, and no, hey, no, no shots. He is a good. No actor. shots. He's an all right actor. He's not as good as some other actors. I don't think Jason Momoa has ever gotten a part solely based on his acting ability. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not part of Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> I'd give Jason Momoa more parts, though. For instance, I would. Oh, is it? Oh. I I would put him in Sense Eight. Oh my God! There it is. Because you want to know what? Segways. You want to know what? Huh? Sense Eight not only has a Christmas special coming, it has a second season. I can tell you all about it once I finish <laughs> reading this article. 
we're finding news. Because we were like, ah, oh, people could listen to us talk about nothing for 45 minutes. Some, some people prefer it. Maybe we can find some more news. We can do some investigating. <laughs> um, so apparently the Sensei Chris, a Christmas special, which is a terrible name for a Christmas special for a show that is as complicated as sensei um arrives december 23rd 2016 mm-hmm. at 12:01 a.m pt just <laughs> so everyone knows uh-huh um followed by um may 5th which is the release date of the second season which is amazing i didn't even know i'm actually i was thinking about it a little while ago because it was one of my favorite shows of 2016 and i was hoping it was coming in back but really hadn't heard anything so i'm super psyched about this interesting yeah and i'm excited about this christmas special well they kind of they left it on a pretty big cliffhanger so it was not even a cliffhanger it was just sort of like a hanger <laughs> it's just out there they just it kind of wrapped it wasn't even a cliff up. it was just hanging it's just hanging basically so yeah I'm excited. What about you? Did you find anything? Um, well, just this creeping story that continues to be out there that we have not really addressed because I haven't seen it yet and haven't decided if it's worth our time. Although, according to this story, it is. Um, it's an anime movie out right now called Your Name or Kimi no Nawa by a director named uh, Makoto Shinkai. Previously, I only knew him from, he did a movie called Five Centimeters Per Second, and I think he did kind of like an independently produced direct-to-video thing called uh, Voice of a Distant Star, which I liked the idea. I didn't think the execution was really well done. Okay. Um, It's basically about these two friends, and there's like an interstellar war, and one of them, the girl, has to go off to war, but the way, and like pilot a mech, but the way time breaks down, it's like she's not aging or when she sends him an email, it takes right. like, you know, five years for it to, they're emailing each other basically. And she sends her friend an email. It takes five years for it to like get to him and it's showing him age up and like slowly forgetting about his friend. Who's like off fighting some distant flying a mech in some distant. That's kind of amazing. Galactic battle. Um, it's short. It was impressive. I didn't think it looked the greatest, which was the issue because right. he was basically kind of doing it himself. Um, but this movie, your name has, blown the fuck up really it is the sixth highest grossing film of all time in japan that's for everything for everything including like foreign releases meaning hollywood blockbusters holy crap it is the third highest grossing japanese film in japan and the third highest grossing anime in japan oh my god so the only things anime wise that have uh raked a higher gross than it are spirited away in hell's moving castle wow so it's Miyazaki, Miyazaki, this dude. What is this anime about? It's about, I don't even really know. It's about a, as much as I can tell from what I've seen from trailer slash, it looks beautiful from what I've seen. It clearly okay. has a budget. Um, it's got something to do with like a comet that goes by and then this guy in Tokyo and a girl in like rural Japan who both dream of different things end up swapping bodies. What? Basically. As best as I can tell what it's about. I don't know any more details about the plot, but every once in a while I just hear some story about it passed another, it demolished another sales record. The one I'm seeing now is that it's going to rank number one in its first box office in China. Wow. It won the weekend in the Chinese box office. There are some North American screenings that are 
coming. So yeah, just give y'all from the Funimation site, which I guess they have licensed it because this is on their official site. They're just still trying to do actual theatrical screenings. The day the stars fell, two lives changed forever. High schoolers Mitsuha and Taki are complete strangers living separate lives, but one night they suddenly switch places. Mitsuha wakes up in Taki's body and he and hers. This bizarre occurrence continues to happen randomly and the two must adjust their lives around each other. Yet somehow it works. They build a connection and communicate by leaving notes, messages, and more importantly, an imprint. When a dazzling comet lights up the night sky, it dawns on them. They want something more from this connection, a chance to meet, an opportunity to truly know each other. Tugging at the string of fate, they try to find a way to each other. But distance isn't the only thing keeping them apart. Is their bond strong enough to face the cruel irony of time? Or is their meeting nothing more than a wish upon the stars? <gasps> isn't that sweet and melodramatic? And I can already tell I'm probably going to hate this movie. but <laughs> <laughs> I think it sounds lovely. Fuck your romance, Makoto Shinkai. Um, no, I have heard. It's demolishing everything. We will probably get to it at some point. When yes, I, some point. When, when I can find it somewhere. <laughs> yes. I will see if it is worth our time and hand that to you but yeah come on globalization do your trick do the thing <laughs> do that thing where we all watch the same thing get it to canada let's go let's go and yeah i guess maybe the only other thing that was worth mentioning this week it's very tangential and it's that it's a person we like and like to geek down about who did something oh new uh or release something new i don't know if it came without much fanfare i don't think it was one of those like you know beyonce drops where it just like <laughs> Bam, here it is. Uh Childish Gambino dropped his third proper album What's this it? week. Okay, all right. He had mixtapes and you know shit before, but his first like proper albums through labels. So he had Camp and then he had Because the Internet and now Awaken My Love has come out. What is this? It is his third album and Donald was Childish Gambino, a.k.a. Donald Glover, for those of you who don't... Who don't know. Who don't know, a.k.a. Troy Barnes, a.k.a. creator of Atlanta, which has come up on the show, a.k.a. Lando Calrissian. Soon to be. Soon to be young Lando Calrissian. Uh, yeah, he wanted to make a Funkadelic record. And so he did? So he did. And how is the Funkadelic record? How much do you like Funkadelic? Pretty much. It's <laughs> like I'm pretty good. Most Funkadelic I like. <laughs> Uh, meaning it's very, it's like a psych rock record, basically. Okay. He's a lot of, he does not rap at all. There's no rapping on this record. It's all singing. Sometimes people want to change it up. Um, and listen, hot take. This is not my hot take. I believe this hot take might've come from a writer named Micah Peters, who was writing for the ringer. I mentioned the ringer a lot, but I was clearly a fan of Grantland back in the day. <laughs> um, he wrote an article titled basically you have to take Donald Glover seriously now. Because a lot of people, especially in his musical endeavors, like slept on him and like. I saw that article. He just you posted that on Facebook. I did, and he just does punchlines, and that's it, or in like lame punchlines, like dad joke punchlines, bad puns, sort of thing. Right. Um, I was never really, and even this Micah Peters writer did not like his first album. His first album notoriously got a one point six rating on Pitchfork. Like Pitchfork wow. was not having it for that record. I didn't think it was that bad. I actually, kind of really liked it a lot. Because it was showing a side of the black experience that I had not really ever seen before. Mm -hmm. The idea of, you know, being a nerdy black kid who's not considered black enough. Like, yeah, he really confronted that sort of thing. And I never really heard it before. It was a more straightforward take on what, like, De La Soul was doing in right. the 80s. But Micah Peters is basically making the point that, like, post-Atlanta, post this album, which, like, floored everybody. Questlove was losing his goddamn mind on Instagram right. about this new album. 
you can make the argument that Donald might be kind of more important to some extent than Kanye. Oh, God, Kanye. But, like, purely from the sense that, like, Kanye always wants... And listen, leave Kanye alone. Okay. Kanye's, I, going, Kanye's going through it right now. I know. And that's... The, I would never make fun of him for that or any say anything about that. It was... It's just... Yeah, Kanye. But, like, Kanye always wants to do other things. Yeah. Kanye wants to design shoes. Kanye wants to get into fashion. Blah, blah, blah. That stuff doesn't really... Yeah, the hype beasts love it, and it's still going to cost you, like, $400 to get a pair of Kanye shoes type of thing. But, like, Donald was like, I want to make a TV show. And then he made one of the most critically acclaimed and, like, the belt champion, the title belt champion of fall 2016. Yeah. He's like, maybe I want to be in Star Wars. And he gets fucking Lando Calrissian. Like, yeah, the dude is kind of won this year. Like, Hopefully he continues to win 2017. Hopefully. Uh, yeah, you're one of the only bright spots of the year, Donald. But yeah, uh, don't go into this record. I'm still processing it because, like, it's early Funkadelic. Like, Funkadelic initially was like a psych rock band. It was just mm-hmm. done by black musicians, which was, oh my god, that's amazing. Black musicians can do something besides, you know, funk and soul music. Right. Um, as the Parliament Funkadelic lines started to blur and these musicians were kind of all members of both bands Mm -hmm. parliament which was kind of the funkier arm of parliament funkadelic some of that started like creeping in and like two of the funkiest songs in the world are like one nation under a groove and not just knee deep which are technically funkadelic records that all came later like you listen to funkadelic initially it's like blazing guitar solos in reverb (laughs) and like distorted distortion like rock fun stuff if you're into that sure Uh, And that's what he's doing with this. So if you are amenable to that, definitely check it out. If you wish he was still making like bass heavy boom bap, you know, rap songs. Then listen to an earlier record. Then listen to Telegraph Avenue off of Because the Internet. Again, it's probably the best song he's ever done. There you go. Love that song. Anyway, shouts to you, Donald. And congratulations on becoming a father. Oh, he had a baby? Yeah. That was pretty much everyone's reaction. Oh. oh yeah, <laughs> no one even knew he really like had a girlfriend or... Because, I mean, good on him. Nobody knew. But yeah, yeah. He just kind of announced out of nowhere that, yeah, he, he, had a, he had a baby this year. High five. Good job. Good job. Well, is that... I think that's it. That's the end of a very odd, meandering, end of the year, <laughs> approaching news portion well it, hey if they don't have news for us what are we gonna do we should still be able to bring the people something i mean i think we did but... which we did it was a meandering garbled mess <laughs> that's what we brought them and hopefully that's they what enjoyed we do. it we are the hottest of hot messes <laughs> friends but that's what you come here for that's right partially partially for and for the fun stuff all right which we'll get into at the next part of the show <laughs> She almost had it, friends. I almost If did. you'd have watched her, she was like, really? She did a hot start, and then the arms started flailing, and then you could just see, <laughs> you just see she fell off the horse, and the horse was still going, and she was like, no, come back, horse. Come back, horse. Come back, thought horse. I don't want to walk. <laughs> it's time for a hot drink re-up. We'll be back after this break.
and friends. Welcome back to the second portion of the show. This is the portion where Caitlin and I will talk about the things that we each brought each other. Once again, can you find two things that are more distant? Yeah. So I don't think anybody's going to have any problem looking at the uh, looking at the title of this episode and figuring out who brought <laughs> each person what. You never know, though. We're yeah. full of surprises. You never know. Before we get started, though. Yes. We have rules. We do have rules. The first one being the rule of three. Does not apply this week. No, because we gave each other things that we had to watch all the way through. Yep. Movies. Movies. Two movies. Normally, if it had been a TV show or a comic series or anything that ran on serialized parts, we, we, would, we would have to watch three of them. We would have to watch three of them. Because we have to get a, a good sense of the thing we're watching. Yes. Have to let the thing become a chance to be the thing. But with movies, eh, it's all there for you. The thing's right there. The thing is what it's going to be. Yeah. Um, and you can take it or leave it. Well, actually, you had to take it this time. <laughs> I had to take it. Boy, did I have to take it. Uh, good times. I had uh, to take it twice because I fell asleep the first time. <laughs> oh, no. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> you are such an old man. <laughs> <laughs> I worked nights. It was system crash. Sure, sure. All right. And the second rule is usually save it for the pad. Hashtag save it for the pod. Do not talk about the thing with each other until we are sitting in front of these microphones. Which, eh, this week was not that bad. No, pretty yeah. easy. Yeah. I don't think it was very exciting for either of us, so... Well. <laughs> hey, you fell asleep. Well. You fell asleep. <laughs> uh, the third rule, which isn't really a rule, is spoilers. There will be spoilers. Um, Again, does not... Doesn't really, really, doesn't really apply. Um, well, for those of you who are interested in watching 1994's Little Women, uh, <laughs> you may, or you haven't read the book yet, you may want to peace out right now, because we're going to get into it. Are we? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Somebody's amped. Somebody's going to have to wait, though, because we like to alternate. And this week... Is the thing I brought Caitlin. Called a hot audible on this one. I'd given Caitlin something else initially when she left here last week. Yep. And then December's Netflix offerings got uploaded and updated. And I saw, oh my God, that's on Netflix now? Fuck this. Caitlin, Caitlin you're watching this. Which is a good thing because I hadn't started <laughs> I hadn't started reading the thing I was supposed to be reading. So. I was like, well, nope, still got time to read. Still got time to watch this. Cool. And that was 2015's documentary, Stretch and Bobito Radio That Changed Lives. <laughs> So, backgrounder about this. I get oddly emotional about this story. Okay. And all of all of this. Stretch and Bobito Radio That Changed Lives is a documentary about Bobito Garcia and a DJ named Stretch Armstrong. His real yep. name's Adrian Bartos. But his performative name is Stretch Armstrong. Stretch Armstrong was a student at Columbia University in 1990, I believe he started, sometime around there, and wanted to do a radio show, wanted to do a college radio show. A, specifically, though. Specifically, he wanted to do a hip-hop college radio show. In his, and promptly got laughed out of the building, took, yes. a, took a few tries to finally get them to award him the, uh, I believe it was midnight to 5 a.m., or like 1 to 5 a.m. Yeah. slot on Thursday nights. He did not really want to talk. He didn't want to be the white guy on the radio. So he had uh, met this dude who was kind of an A&R at Def Jam named Bobito Garcia, 
who we had seen out and about in the New York hip hop club scene. He was already DJing at that point, and he was building his connects to like you know get to that's what you would do back when you were a DJ back in the day. You had to build your connects at the label so you could get the twelve inches for free, basically, because <laughs> right. you were basically promoing these acts. And if you liked the song, you started playing it, and that was good for good business for everybody. And he asks Bob to basically host the show for him. It was the Stretch Armstrong show hosted by Bobito Garcia. So basically what you have is these two guys doing a late night rap show in New York for like seven years in the 90s. That's from like 1997, which means it's an underground rap show. So the underground rappers of the time are going to come through because it's the only real like game in town. It's the only show that's going to be interested in playing them. Yeah. It was the 90s in New York. Yes, it was. So what happens is the underground artists of the moment end up being some of the most legendary rappers. Of all time. Of all time. And I first heard about this. People who know this story will not be surprised that I first heard about this when the Big L Jay-Z freestyle started making the rounds again. Or like there had been a like clipped version of it, but the full version, somebody I uploaded finally the full version, which was like 10 to 15 minutes long. And I knew anecdotally the stretch and bob story yeah i just knew they had this like legendary show and i heard this freestyle session because they would always have rappers come on and freestyle and basically what you had on this was number one over a beat i'd never heard before and became like one that piano beat that plays like 15 times in the movie yeah it was one of my favorite beats of all time now this underground rapper named big l big l was tragically murdered in 1999 kind of before he ever got his due on a wider audience he had a couple albums come out after he had been killed and you listen to him, and he is just eating that microphone. It's, like, one of the most amazing verses I've ever heard. And then they say, like, oh, hey, your little buddy, basically your little buddy that you're with, if you want to put him on, you want to give him a chance to spit, go ahead. Right. And his little buddy is a little-known rapper nobody had really heard of named Jay-Z. Right. This happened with them all the time. Nas, before he was Nas was on the Stretch and Bob show. Like yeah. They were debuting songs from Illmatic, which people consider the greatest rap album of all time. A lot of people do. Mob Deep, Big Pun, Fat Joe, The Wu-Tang Clan, Busta Rhymes. Like, you're talking everybody who became Biggie. Anybody who became anybody in New York rap in the 90s came through Stretch and Bob show. And maybe it's because of my, like, I am somewhat filled with a sense of regret to a certain extent when i think about their story and this show and this documentary actually kind of fills me with this like nostalgic sense of regret because this was all happening at a point where i was not i was kind of being a pissant about rap music because you know g-funk and dr dre and snoop and all that had really broken right and the idiots on my school bus in my little rural you know essex county high school who were calling me n-word lover in grade school for listening to like public enemy and early tribe records mm -hmm. and brand Nubian and shit were now all about it and love singing about how we don't love them hoes on the bus. And I was like, man, fuck rap. <laughs> a lot of people go through that in their lives. Hey, <laughs> as we said earlier in the show, white people ruin everything. <laughs> they ruin everything. Thank you. And now I go back and it's like, when I finally did listen to Illmatic cause Illmatic was one of the, uh, it ain't hard to tell from Illmatic was one of the few rap songs that I heard in my like fucking i'm gonna play in punk bands and uh yeah you know get super into grunge and rock and shit 
I like Soundgarden now. <laughs> but I always have much music blast. Much music was, you know, perennial in my house. Yeah. In my little basement cave that I hung out in back at my parents' house. And, you know, it ain't hard, it ain't hard to tell came on. And I was like, is that fucking Human Nature by Michael Jackson? They fucking put Michael Jackson in there? That song's amazing. Goddamn. Um, then you go back. I didn't listen to Illmatic until like 2006. Whoa. Yeah. Like, I've totally missed it. And I was like, fuck it. I'll just buy Illmatic. Because I heard like a couple other songs off of it that I really liked. And you listen to it, it's like, this entire thing is amazing. <laughs> and I fucking missed it as it was happening. Like, I lived across from Detroit. I was in university. I remember going to like the college radio station and picking up an application form. Right. And thinking about like, man, what could I do? I could do I, I could do a show. That could be awesome. We're right across from Detroit. I'm hearing all this music from Detroit radio. So I have like, yeah. I, I have a huge romantic thing for radio, for one. I have a huge romantic thing for college radio. Because I felt I never got to do it. I mean, I'd make a podcast. I do my own little like mix shows. I clearly still have this like romance for indie radio and the gatekeeper curatorial process that goes along with it when, right. you, when you have freedom. But I was a commuter student, so I was never going to. They were like, okay, cool. We'll give you a show at like 3 a.m. on a Saturday. <laughs> it's like, I cannot <laughs> get here uh, to do that. So I take great joy in like seeing this story told something like this doc but it also kind of makes me feel very sad at the same time because it's like you wasted your 20s you could have been doing something oh i'm so melodramatic i know but anyway i don't need to talk about how much i love this story i was very curious to see what kate thought about this story i think she's gonna have some problems with it i'm sure i can guess what they <laughs> might be but oh i'm i'm kind of interested to know what problems you think i'm going to have with this story do you want me to say what it is now or do you want to start talking about what you think about the movie uh, or would you like me to ask you the question yeah <laughs> based ask, around what ask i think me the question i want to be asked some questions i think you thought the story was intriguing and you hated the two of them no no why because that is the one thing <laughs> the humor around the show like they were idiots right like well i actually it was very very funny um the humor is very so, juvenile. So they, they are talking... Still, even as like 50-year-old men, they're still pretty juvenile. They're talking about, in the documentary, they're talking about the funniness and the talking and the banter and the, the back and forth, right? Mm. And as I was thinking about, God, that's so juvenile, I don't know <laughs> if I could like stand to listen about it. In the documentary, right when I thought that, they had a little bit about the women and the girls the, who loved the, the show... Um, not just not just the the one um, lovely lady who was manning the door for them, but like just other listeners yeah. who were female. Who and I think one person put it very well, which was even though I knew like I knew they weren't talking about me, and I can separate myself from it, and I loved the show. I still took it personally because it. Was, I think she says it. I don't know if she was a woman who worked at the station at the time, at the college radio station. I, I No, I think she... Or if she just hung out at the show because she was around and she was like a, I, in a dorm, but... I No, she, she went she went to the university and she loved that it was just down the, like, across mm. the way from her. I think she says at one point that, like, she didn't take it as, like, they're not talking about me. Because in the 90s especially, that was always the go-to line about, like, when you're talking about bitches and hoes. Yeah. It's like, oh, if a girl got in your face, it's like, well, we're not talking about you. Yeah. Like, that's always what they would say. And I think she was saying, I never took it as, like, you're not talking about me. Like, I always right. took it. But, yeah, to her, the culture meant more. She, She's like, this is misogyny and it's bullshit. Yeah. But the good stuff and the stuff I like about it 
was really good. I'll wave it. Um, the music was really good. And then the the thing about the the lady who was manning the door was that there was they had a young woman and uh who was it who came rolled in? <laughs> Wu Tang. It was Wu Tang. So Wu Tang rolls in and they're all like wearing masks apparently. And there's like thirty of them. Yeah, and she's like, No, like who is on the list? And we can't have all of you come up and the guy like sort of gets in her face and calls her the B word. Method Man. Yeah, and Method Man's just awful to her. And then thankfully, you know, Stretch and Bobito say you can't be talking to our staff like that. You know, they she works for us. And he apologized on the radio, but still she, as she said, I was still really pissed off about yeah. it, and I still am. Um, which is funny because she became a writer and then had to, or or a produ- it wasn't a producer, but I think she produced She's an editor pe- at Bob, yeah, I think editor. Um, and she had to deal with the Wu Tang Clan and Method Man, and she thought it was just very funny. Um, so that the 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 humor, I I don't think I'd ever listen to the show because the humor was very juvenile and there was a lot of misogyny. Because even um, me watching the doc, sometimes they would just go off on one of their bits. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, this is not that funny, you guys. No, like, but it was part of what people loved about it. It was, as one somebody said, it was just kind of like when you hear friends shooting the shit on the corner, right? Mm. They managed to put the corner in a box, and broadcast it every week, um, which is kind of like what we do here. <laughs> uh, Your hood in a box. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Stretch and Bob of podcasting. <laughs> podcasting. Um, without any cool music. Um, so, like, I actually thought the documentary was really interesting. I thought they were very interesting. I thought their connection to music was very interesting. Um the thing I thought you were going to say about what I didn't like oh, okay. was that, man, does that documentary meander. It, like, has <laughs> it, no... It has some, it has some weird course. sidebars and, that and stick out a bit. They don't do... I mean, of course, they kind of do a loose chronological story, but not really. Like, they'll go... They'll be way out in 1994 and then all the way they're all the way back to 1991 um because it kind of ticks the boxes of like all the people who came through but then it doesn't even do it like um uh this person a and then person b and then person c and then it kind of it'll go back and forth and then there's all this like art stuff in between the takes and i don't know why um so anyways there it was very disorganized at times um i did love the art that they used in the style to punctuate things because you are talking about radio so you need a lot of visual stuff and the things you're talking about are like they would get established like graph writers and stuff to while they let one of these like freestyle places i think the times where it happens the most are when they move on to the big ljz freestyle and they mentioned like what a moment that was and should be fair, like, everybody is in this. Yeah. Like, you see... And what's cool is they are playing the tapes off a of Walkman. Because yes. people would tape the show all the time. And uh, in some cases, like Buster Rhymes's <laughs> case, which was amazing, he would sell the tapes instead of drugs because he didn't want to get into the drug <laughs> game. you say that Buster Rhymes is the funniest person I've <laughs> <Yeah>. ever <laughs> fucking seen? Like, I just want to talk to that guy. <laughs> Did you watch through to the credits? 
No. Oh my god, I was gonna, I was gonna message you to say make sure you watch through the credits because there's a couple like weird outtakes or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Bob is like. We're talking to Busta, and Bob was like, I was about to start eating your blueberries over here. And Busta's like, yo, get busy, B. (laughs) Get busy. Get on them blueberries. (laughs) And they make a bad pun about Busta Limes. (laughs) Like Stretch is like, I was gonna get on your, I was gonna start grabbing your lines, but then when you know, bust the limes, and they all just start laughing like idiots, and I'm like, and like, yeah, you could tell that the show was very like man cave rap corner, like <laughs> yeah. it was very much like a boy show. The music was amazing. Um, it was interesting to hear about their dynamic, and then their dynamic sort of falling apart. And what I thought was interesting, because we've had the conversation about you and sort of this love of rap dissipating for a while yeah. in your life, to hear that Stretch, a DJ for years and years and years who absolutely adored rap and hip-hop, fell out of love with the music because ultimately the thing spoilers for for this very 20 year old story but the thing that ultimately ends up happening is i think as bob says at one point in the documentary like the show was only as good as the music let us be yeah and by the time you hit like 95 96 you're it's it's jiggy time yeah it's time to get jiggy it's puffy it's you know super poppy type stuff mace i totally forgot about mace (laughs) Sorry, he shows up in a cliff, and I was like, oh my god, Mace. My thing about Mace that I always say is, like, I hated Mace back in the day. I thought Mace was like, you are ruining rap. You're the worst (laughs) thing I've ever heard. And now when a, like, you know, Lil Yachty, you know, designer, future, sing-songy era of rap, you go back and you listen to a Mace verse, and it's like, goddamn, Mace could actually rap. I miss Mace. (laughs) Um, So this, like, split developed between them, where, like, I think a stretch says at one point, he, he... Lyrics really didn't mean anything to him. No, he was he all was about all, music. Yeah, he was all about the like the beats. So the... the best beats that the beats he liked the best were kind of being rapped over by thuggish gangster crime rap. crime gangster rapping. Bob is very much a golden age lover. Yeah, he loves he loves breakdancing. He loves graph. He loves like the four elements, and he's very like positive. He doesn't drop n bombs. He doesn't do any of that. There's a lot of like he likes socially justice causes. Yeah. And so then the rap he would play. <laughs> so their their unofficial third was this guy named Lord Sear. Yeah. Who became like just, you know, one of the, became the third guy. He was the guy who would like, he was the comedy. He would snap yeah. on, he would snap on a lot of the guests and whatnot and get in fights with people on the phone <laughs> and shit like that. And as Lord Sear puts it, the stuff Bob would want to play all the time was like, it's just too lyrical, Bob. <laughs> You're going to have an Excedrin. <laughs> It's like, listen to it. It's just like, you know, my metaphors are rapporteurs and s'mores and scores. And it's, just, it's just too much. <laughs> but that was the split that would end up happening. But yeah. And then they started, would actually start playing music that the other one, they knew the other one would hate. <laughs> they got really passive aggressive towards each other. Yeah. Um, I, when I give you something I think you're going to hate, it's for laughs, not, not, not trying to take shots. No. But yeah, honestly, the most, I remember the first time I saw the doc hearing Stretch talk about like, I couldn't find music to fill four hours anymore. Yeah. I couldn't, like, I could not fill five hours with music I liked anymore. And what are you supposed to do when this thing that you've loved for so much of your life, just, you don't love it anymore. And I was like, I literally said out loud, that is the worst feeling. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you just feel for him. This guy, like, built his life around this. It's everything he loved doing. And then yeah. just because of the way 
money and everything else and that even kind of happened to them like they got hot 97 put them on sunday nights like yeah. because they had blown up to such a degree and not that that really split them up too much but you know the fans didn't really like it yeah because they were their thing they were supposed to be keep it underground sort of thing one of the people that they interviewed um read his letter that he wrote them <laughs> and it was just so <laughs> angry like, punk sucker sellouts they became yeah. Yeah, it was it was hilarious. Um, but yeah, everybody is in the documentary. The cool bits is that they have they people tape the shows. They have all the old tapes. You can even search Stretch and Bob on YouTube and find like full recordings of like yeah. shows from '95. Well, and I really loved having the rappers there getting to listen to themselves. Yeah, they when would they let they would let them started. listen. And the be- one of the best parts of the entire entire thing was Nas was there and. <laughs> Um, Stretch wanted Nas to hear like Nas as they said was like he hadn't blown up but he was definitely anticipated his album was the only album anybody wanted yeah. at that point point. and so he Stretch had made this beat and gave it to Nas he's like well, what do you think about this beat wouldn't tell him he had made it yeah. and Nas was like this is really good I could rap over this and he was like he was like, "Oh, yeah, I, I, I did it and then they had Nas listen to that and then Nas 20 years later yeah and Nas was like who did this beat? Where'd this beat come, come from? from? This is really good. And then like, a little bit after he, he says to Stretch, uh, you still making beats? Um, <laughs> and it was just a great little fun bit. And you kind of see the dynamic and the, and I mean, the documentary is about the impact that they made. And that was definitely evident throughout the documentary. As is mentioned a few times, I think Fat Joe says it, you know, like you guys did your thing and watched all these motherfuckers get rich. Yeah. Off of you because A and R dudes, I think Dante Ross, who's like a like legendary rap A and R, I think he worked for Def Jam. Yeah, um, talks about hearing Old Dirty and on Stretch and Bob, and was like, yeah, immediately like calling in, like put him on the phone, like yeah. he's like, I signed Dirty before the Wu Tang album came out because I heard him on your show, and he yeah. went to sell X amount of records. Like they were breaking people all the time. Like if you look at the they run down a list of like you can't even keep up with the list of people at the end of the movie they like run down yeah. like here's all the major artists who debuted on stretch and bob show you can't keep up with the visuals going by because there were so many of them anyway it's just an interesting it's a story about radio and two friends and because you can tell like those dudes like really fucking love each other like, oh yeah like even at the at the outset i guess they're trying to do like a setup take and they just lose it and they just start laughing <laughs> the and first laughing. shot yeah. of them is trying to like set up the movie and they can't even get through it without no. laughing no we don't know what that's like at all uh, no idea whatsoever <laughs> um so some i really i loved watching it i did have some problems first of all Near the beginning, they talk about how he wanted to do this college radio show and he got laughed out of the building. They don't pick it up at all. They don't talk about how it how happened. How they actually got it. How, yeah. it. how they actually... And then all of a sudden they have a radio show and I was like, where were they... Ra-? Like, was it out of someone's basement? Like, I don't know what's going on. Um, so I was frustrated with that because you there are some pieces of the story that are missing. Second thing, they don't tell you what they did for to make money. They just said like... He was in college, and then they had this radio show every Thursday. And I think I think Bob was still working at Def Jam. I think that was kind of his day job. And well, that's kind of important. <laughs> it is, yeah. They mentioned a few times that like you know they lost money on the show. I think Stretch was a working DJ, so I think so. Like he did that to pay his bills, and that's kind of important as well. Like they talk about the shows a little bit, but not 
anyways, I think that's an important part to fill in. Um, they did sort of, yeah, the, they lost a little bit sometimes the story. Um, and they, I think they sacrificed having a clear story to make it kind of interesting. Um, at times, like visually and just, they wanted to fit a lot in there. And to that end, the two moments that, I don't know, how did you feel about these? The two moments that I'm like, that I skip in my rewatches mm-hmm. are the dude who's homeless. And that only seems to really be in there so he can like, they play him like a freestyle he did like right, 20 years yeah. before. That part I just kind of skim over. Mm-hmm. And the second part I always skim over is they're talking about how important the show was to dudes on the inside, basically, like dudes in prison. Yeah. And they take this weird like spoken word side sidebar with a dude who's like in prison and it's really dating myself with this reference but it veers kind of close to that like old and living color sketch where damon waynes would play the like <laughs> you know educated prisoner it veers a little close to that so i skipped right. that as well i don't know what did you think of those I, moments I, I didn't think they were they seemed extraneous a little bit well see the problem is is they made it about how the show changed lives in terms of rappers mm. I don't think it necessarily made sense. Like, they, if they wanted to focus on how it just changed people's lives, then they should have sort of done a pocket of that. They kind of did little blips here and there, but mm-hmm. they didn't really talk about... They talked about rappers and and who sort of was famous and who debuted on the show and why it was important to the rap and hip-hop community. Um, but then, if you want to talk more about just the regular people out there listening and that should have been a part of it in the documentary like it should have had its own section but it didn't really um they did little kind of like blips here and there but it didn't really fit in did you hear about that guy who went to the he was in the culture i don't know if he was like a graph artist or whatever um the guy who goes talks about going to the army and yeah his cousin, his cousin sent him a sent him a tape Which, and that was like that was nice um but that's the other thing you don't really know who these people like when they talk about the blips they don't really talk about who they are and the dude who's like presented as like the tape historian he's yeah. the one who's like got all the tapes i don't know who that guy is or why he's even there or how they knew yeah. to find him um so that would have been nice and that if you had put sort of those things together um it is hard when you don't have an overall narration or anything um they did a pretty good job though without it um but i think they should have put those sort of more together um and you know kind of had it wasn't as organized as i would like i guess it's just the that's fair the the conclusion so yeah but hey if you are into 90s hip-hop my god this is the documentary for you i could watch this a million times (laughs) and i did so they made it for jordan Every time I would think about giving this to Kate or realize that Kate uh, was watching it, I would get distracted from what I was supposed to be watching because I would watch like another half hour of the Stretch and Bob doc. Definitely at least just go and just go and find that big LJZ freestyle yeah. on YouTube. It's good times. In a street fight, I strike men like lightning. You see yeah. what happened in my last fight, friend? I ate then. Smack my microphone away. It's amazing. Um... Yeah. Rest in peace, Big L. Kick punches, Caitlin McKinnon. Seven. Seven. Seven kick punches. Seven kick punches. I for think that's... Stretch and Bobbito Radio That Changed Lives. It was really interesting. If you have any interest in hip hop at all, 
watch it because it were radio watch it it was really interesting um it was a little disorganized um and i really like hip-hop but i'm not fascinated by not fascinated by the history i'm interested in the history because i'm also a history buff but i'm not fascinated by it (laughs) i think that's pretty good analysis fair enough yeah you want to know something i really love though no, Caitlin, I don't know something you really love. Okay. Not, let me do it again. Yes, Caitlin, I do want to know something you really love. It's Little Women. <laughs> I just, it makes me so happy. It's one of my Christmas movies. Did you know that? Uh, Did you I, know it's one of my Christmas movies? I, I, could, I could guess that from getting five minutes into this adaptation. Why, yes. The adaptation we're talking about, of course, is the Little Women 1994 adaptation with all the good people in it we got winona ryder we've got claire danes kristen dunst christian bale eric stoltz eric stoltz susan sarandon uh here for eric stoltz actually trini alvarado sure john neville sure gabriel byrne Woo! my god it's just chock full of 90s <laughs> it's, it's, it's just a slab of 90s for you yeah and it's it a bunch is of sl- Slab of nineties people punching above their weight, but <laughs> carry on. I wow, this whole section is just you <laughs> making backhanded comments. Um it was directed by Jillian Armstrong. Um she really isn't known for much. Um maybe Oscar and Lucinda. Uh she's done she's done stuff and she's still doing stuff. Um this is definitely her I would say best known work. Um and she did an amazing job. Good job, Jillian Armstrong. Anyways, Jordan's giving me a look. Carry on. I don't think you understood how much I love this movie. Um, <laughs> it is based, of course, on Little Women by Louisa May Alcott, uh, who wrote it in 1868. It's a coming-of-age story or a, a Bildungsroman, which is German for a coming-of-age story. Um, it's about the March sisters, Meg, Joe, Beth, and Amy. And, of course, their mother, known as Marmy. It is also about their friend next door named Theodore, Lori, or Teddy Lawrence. He got, like, four names. Yeah. Yeah. But it's mostly Lori or Teddy. Um, And uh, it is set during and after the American Civil War. So there's lots going on in the film. But it's about, basically, these four sisters growing up, coming of age in a harsh time, and uh, mostly centered on Joe March, though. So, Jordan, what'd you think? Hey, listeners. Do you wish Gilmore Girls was set during the Civil War? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Get to this adaptation. Holy shit, this thing has some pacing issues. What are you talking about? Full disclosure, have not read Little Women. All right. Hit the old... uh, Hit the old wiki plot synopsis. Yep. Started reading everything that happened in this book. Yeah. And said, how are they going to get through all of this to get to this end point? The answer is poorly. What are you talking about? It's all over the fucking place. It is not. It is. You. And we're in uh, London and now we're in New York and now it's uh, four years later. Sure. And Kirsten Dunst is now Samantha Mathis and... Just because you can't keep up does not make it a bad movie. I am willing to concede that watching this as System Crash was hitting was maybe not, may have had an impact on 
my interpretation of this movie. I do also think they were flying through some shit. Well, yeah. It's just a... flying through. But the movie's like an hour and a half. No, it's two hours. Thank you very much. It's an hour and 58 minutes. Thank goodness. I'm so glad I have two hours with little women <laughs> to uh, to look forward to this this Christmas. Um, and I know, I know why you love this movie. Yeah, Joe March is why you love this movie. Yeah. Yes. Joe March. Woo. Or or this story. And and people have to keep in mind when this was written, there were very few characters like Joe March. Yes. There were a couple. Um, but she was ahead of her time as far as female characters go. And then when the movie came out, there also weren't that many representations of women or girls like this. And she was awesome. I mean, it put me in mind to a certain extent of when we were talking about Practical Magic, where I was just like, this movie does not get made anymore. No. Like, period. No. Like, they're not going to make this movie no. anymore. Um, it has zero conflict. It's yeah. all just set pieces. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, who wants to wants to go to the movie theater and watch Winona Ryder, or Claire Danes, and Kirsten Dunst put on like you know amateur pr plays for their own amusement? Um, and you can't uh, you can't forget Trini Alvarado. I, I will forget Trini Alvarado. I will continue to forget Trini Alvarado. Uh, also, Kirsten Dunst, I get it. You're precocious. <laughs> for fuck's sake. <laughs> uh, she's my least favorite part of that movie. She burned Joe's manuscript. Fuck that kid. And then she, I, and then she yeah, fell in a lake. I know, right? But, that, but this is what I'm talking about with the pacing, right? <laughs> Why the fuck did she burn the manuscript? Because she's got the hots for Teddy, even though she's like six? No, because she's mad at Joe. Well, she's mad at Joe. Why? Because Teddy wants to spend time with her? Because she's got the sweets for Teddy? Well, and also Joe won't let her come or and follow them and be friends with them. Or something, yeah. And so she burns the manuscript. <laughs> When owner writer beats the shit out of her, which is kind of fun. And then and then she's going skating with Teddy, and it's like, wait for me. And she's like, ah, oh, fuck her. <laughs> they, go, they go off skating, and it's like, psh, it's like, this bitch is in a lake now? <laughs> she fell in a frozen lake, and now we love each other again. Woo! Like That's, that's in the course of like five minutes of this movie. It is bam, bam, bam. Those minutes. are all the plot points we need to get through. As a miniseries, this could have been delightful. As one of those, like, oh, yeah, it's quite, like, BBC miniseries. It's set in America. I know, but I just still feel like it should. <laughs> Sorry, I'll do my Gabriel Byrne German accent. <laughs> Hire an Irish guy to play a German, <laughs> to do a German accent. Seems counterintuitive. Want to know really something interesting, though, about hmm. that? When I was a kid, I could not understand Joe not wanting to be with Lori. Like, didn't get it at all. Thought she was ridiculous and stupid. She kind of is. But as I get older, I'm like, yeah, I can see why you wanted to go for that that burn. <laughs> <laughs> burn notice and effect. Basically, what Stretch and Bobito was like. Um, uh, see, little women brings joy. <laughs> joy the for the holiday season. Jesus Christ. Um, 
And he was like no character. What was he, like an impoverished professor? Like, Yes. We'll just and sit around and be poor and read books. Recognize that she could be a great writer. She would only write what she knew. Listen, we, yeah, we, we got some we got some voiceover of what she was writing. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> Go back to writing about vampires or whatever the shit you were writing about Volcanoes, beforehand. Volcanoes, giant. Vo- she basically wrote all the movies from the for the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> Dante's Peak, the volcano. <laughs> the, the core. She was just. Joe March was on top of everything. She was way ahead of her time. Actually, you know what? Screw you, German professor. She was re- uh, she was writing sci-fi before it was a thing. Oh my god! And just like <laughs> my notes, I just have these things that like <laughs> I fuck yeah, Eric Stoltz because yeah, I love to see Eric Stoltz. Show Eric up. Stoltz is amazing. Um, and then when the dad finally shows up with like his arm in a sling, first of all, what was this like? major wound he had that everybody had to like run down to washington and also that guy's like 90 where the fuck was he fighting in the war no all men of that time in their 50s look like 90 year olds (laughs) because it's that's just the 1860s for you um second of all um it was he was i'm pretty sure he got a gunshot wound okay sure uh third it's actually a big point that like yeah, the dad shows up, but the dad's still useless. Like, doesn't have a role. It was oh, yeah, he doesn't do anything. No, it's a big, it's a big part of it because it's but the late, but the ladies. How'd they lose all their money? That's the other major point, right? It's like the guy they again, never had any. They money. never had any money. Where'd they get that fucking house from? Then that's the only thing they had. <laughs> Genteel poverty, as as I believe uh, Wikipedia phrased it when describing yes. the plot, the plot of Little Women. I mean, listen, I, I. I certainly appreciate the legacy and impact and influence of the novel. I don't know why this move, why someone felt in 1994 what the world needed was an adaptation of Little Women. I'm happy it hit you at a moment in your life when you clearly <laughs> needed it. 94, you would have been how old? Oh, geez. Uh, eight? Is that right? Eight? So. Is that? No, no, that's not right. So uh, home video probably came out in 95, 96. Maybe you got to it at 10 or 11. Like, Hold on. I got to do the math here. All right. All right. I got to so count this. It's going to be a while. Radio magic. 86, 87, 87, 88, 88, 89, 89 to 90. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was about eight. <laughs> yeah. So it would have been like nine, nine or 10. This is a movie you saw in the theaters or was it something? No, I definitely didn't see it in the theaters. It was definitely something that. A home video staple? Home home video. And I think I like watched it so much that we had to get a new tape. Like, I used to love watching this movie. Your copy of Little Women was Busta Rhymes with his Stretch and Bobbito tape, right? Yeah, you were yeah. like, it, it broke, and you were like, like with the, steak, the steak knife taking the casing apart so you could splice it back together. Yeah, basically. I just, That yeah. in the secret garden. Oh, look out. Yeah, look out, Jordan. <laughs> That'll be coming. Hopefully it has better pacing than this. Um, they just shoveled, it's just, listen, come on, they shoveled a lot in there. What? Why do you want these? Okay, if I gave you something that was like panoramic shots, blah, 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 you'd all be like, this is so slow. Meanwhile, you get something that's like fast paced and there's lots going on and you're like, it's too fast. But (laughs) there's fast and then there's like, now Beth has scarlet fever. Like, first of all, they mentioned this family. Yes. This poor family. They're mentioned like once. 
in the start of the movie. Uh, it's like it's like oh we, we have bread and sausages and stuff. Oh the this these people have nothing. Yeah. Womp womp. I guess we'll give them our stuff. Blah blah blah. You never really hear about him again for like an hour well, until no. Beth needs to get scarlet fever and then she's over there and it's like oh there I guess these are these people like here they are. She does say here Beth have a baby. <laughs> she does say who's going to look after these people when Marmy is gone, and then. She looks after them and gets scarlet fever, and it is devastating. <laughs> devastating. Devastating. Poor Beth. Poor Beth. This is like this has got to be like my so-called life era, Claire Danes, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Where she had not grown into her acting ability. No, it's a good thing she was Beth. It was like it was like you can only play Angelo right now. Whatever the so-called life character was played. We're going to make you Beth. All you have to do is sit there and under a, lie supine under a giant blanket and be like, I'm so cold. Kittens. So, Oh, you're not done. Okay. I don't know what, what point to make about it. Just like, we have gone on record before in our support for Winona Ryder. Yes. I don't know that this was the move for what? her. At 1994, this was a huge movie. In she was the draw. I'm not saying she wasn't the draw. Yeah. I'm saying when you go back in 2016 and watch this movie. Which is only we would do. One, because I forced you to watch it. Second, because I love this movie. Because you're still watching it. I... You ain't... you're, you're a little precious, Winona. You ain't quite got the... ain't quite got the goods. All right. Come off a little irritating. Sometimes, yes, but that's that's. Oh, oh, I was expecting to get shot down for that, but no, that's the character though. She, it is a a coming of age story. Sometimes you come of age as a prat, and then you got to grow out of that. I'm still working on it. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's it, it is its own thing, and I wanted to know your opinion, and now I know your opinion. Um, and now I need a, a rating of some sort. I'm uh, terrified this, to ask. This beautiful mess of an adaptation of Little Women is, it's like a six. It's a six. Okay. It's not a two. I give it a 6.5. 6.5. All right. What's the point five for? Is it for Stoltz? It's for Stoltz, isn't it's it? It's for, uh, it's for, what was her name? Tr- Trini, <laughs> Trini Almodovar, whatever. <laughs> Trini Alvarado. Trini Alvarado. You, you are the point five. Thank you, Trini. You're pretty cute. And... Thank you for helping the girls when Marmy was away. <laughs> Why do they call her Marmy? That I don't know. I never, I never knew. Like that's ultimately the reason why I was on Wikipedia in the first place. I was like, is this their mom? Like, what are, <laughs> are they calling their mom Marmy? Also, Susan Sarandon is amazing. I guess she's not in it much. No, that's all the point. told. But she's still amazing. All right. Well, I mean, and shouts to Kirsten Dunst. Thank you for not remaining what you were at the time of this movie which was precocious oh joe what's the matter with it's actually a pretty good impression get him children all have this that's what it was oh my god the fucking thing with the limes it's the second time limes have come up in this podcast but yeah she's like hustling for limes at school (laughs) hiding them in her desk limes were a big deal and the teacher like hit her hand and suddenly like i'm sorry i thought that's just what teachers did no but marmy and joe are gonna make a huge thing about it and like write the civil war school board about it (laughs) 
that should just be a show in and of itself. <laughs> That's not going on the board. <laughs> the worst show ever. Uh, well, the new Civil War in America is brewing. So This, this winter on NBC. <laughs> Civil War school board. Well, I think, you know, I think that's it. I think I think we're good. I think we've got our 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 ratings in. Do we have any updates? No. No. We don't have any news or any updates. God, terrible. I know. Uh, two updates. It's just my my stories, my usual stories. You're on ice. Um, I think I said episode 8 I wasn't crazy about. Episode 9 was a little better. Magic Over Raising Project continues to be the Hunger Games and just Great. killing everyone you love. And I think I fell behind on Azetta. Still watching it, huh? Azetta took a leap that like I did not think they needed to. Right. Okay. What do they need? They need you know the Germans need a weapon that can face Azetta. So it turns out they have cloned like the original White Witch. Ugh. And now for how, how did they even find her? Uh, how did they even find her? I don't remember. <laughs> oh, good it was i'm so glad it was memorable it's kind of yada yada um yeah that's where we were left off is that it has met her match in the form of the original white witch who for some reason thinks she should be fighting is that a huh sure i'm sure the americans are going to show up and drop a nuke on everybody and <laughs> before, the end. before the season's over and that'll be the end of is the last witch uh and this is the end of <laughs> this podcast this podcast sorry friends this has been a bizarre one <laughs> Well, I mean, we kind of gave each other a bizarre mix of things. It's, it's the end of the year. It's the end of the year. We got to record another one right quick, so yeah. we're going to go do that. Um, Reminders, uh, for the Christmas season, um, we will be having shorter episodes and uh, special episodes. You will get episodes. They will be yes, shorter and out of time because we are recording them in advance. Yes, and uh, so... Please be kind to us if we're not covering really important news because yeah, something really important comes out from like December twelfth to January fourth. We won't cover it. We will not be covering it because we'll be holidaying it up and you know rolling around places because we're so fat from Christmas food. <laughs> I have dogs to pet. I have boredom to enjoy. See, we're just going to be doing too many other important things because Toronto. I love you. I'm done with you this year. I think we're, everyone's just done with 2016. Pretty much, but that's a topic for another time. So we're going to go record an episode about Westworld that you're here next year. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us. If you want to get at us on your socials, you can do that pretty much at GeekdownPod for everything on the Twitters, on the Tumblers. You can email us GeekdownPod at gmail.com or you can hit us up on our Facebook group. Which is www.facebook.com forward slash GeekdownPod. If you have any questions or you comments for us, it's basically the only way to get at Caitlin. If you'd like to get at me for any reason, you can find me on Twitter at Jordan underscore Ferguson. And we thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Geek Down Podcast. We will be back next week with episode 45. <gasps> and we hope you will join us again. Thank you so much, friends. My name is Jordan Ferguson. And my name is Caitlin McKinnon. And we will be back next week for another episode of the Geek Down Podcast. See you then.
Rather yes. Rather yes. 